Hello. Hey, friend. How are you? <laughs> my dad told me a story. He's told me this so many times. But when I was home, it reminded him when I was like going through all my childhood bedroom stuff and trying to just, uh-huh. they're going to move in the next couple of years. So I've been trying to clear it out and like bring it to my own house every time I go up. And right. he was telling me about the maddest I've probably ever been at him. And no, it actually was not when he ate my key lime pie. Okay. It was when I used to play Barbies with him every day when he would get home from work, he would have to play Barbies with me. And we had a routine. I had my Barbie and he had his. And I would say, how you doing? (laughs) And that was my opening line. And one day he stole it and he said it first. And I was like, no, (laughs) that's not how you play. That's so cute. (laughs) I also feel like that's like a full house line the little girls would say how you, how you doing? doing yeah that's your line me just saying it to you right now just made me think of my barbie experience that clearly didn't scar me because i don't remember it but my dad does bill steals your lines and your key lime pies i know god what are dads for if not mm. taking everything from you and giving you nothing in return some dads <laughs> give you trauma <laughs> <laughs> yeah i shouldn't complain there's there's different spectrums out there. Yeah, all different types. Listen, I love my dad. I've accepted him for who he is. But, you know, let's not get into that because. <laughs> well, this is an Encounters episode. But we this are is here an Encounters episode. <laughs> to read your stories. Why don't you start? Wait, actually. So a couple of episodes ago, I told you about, I was mentioning the like, language accounts that I follow, but the second one I didn't ever, I never said the second one. So her name is Susie Dent and she's also written books. And so I just bought Mm -hmm. her book. She has a couple, but this one I bought is interesting stories about curious words from stealing thunder to red herring. So it like basically goes through all of these old terms of phrases and different words and like the origins of them. That's so cool. You sent me one the other day that was like someone who never stops nagging or complaining. And I was like, oh, I'm going to commit this to memory. And then, of course, I forget. Because they're not like words that we would use in our everyday language. Right. Yeah. But this is interesting because we talk about crows a lot. Mm -hmm. As the crow flies, where it came from is like, it means as directly as possible by the shortest route. But it's actually a rook that flies straight to its destination, not a crow. But the two blackbirds are often popularly identified and misidentified with each other. Mm. So the term as the crow flies is actually inaccurate. It should be as the rook flies. As the rook flies. Well, let's correct Mm -hmm. it. It's never too late to correct our mistakes. We make them constantly. As the rook flies. Now, But we're going to say that and people are going to be like, what? It's kind of like the bald eagle. How everyone associates the sound of a red-tailed hawk with the bald eagle because the bald eagle just didn't sound nearly as cool as a red-tailed hawk. Wait, that's cool. So when you hear they're like, like that's a red-tailed hawk. That's not not a bald bald eagle. eagle. Wow. Yeah. Of course, you have bird facts. (laughs) What else you want to know about birds? Tell me. Hey, you just gave me one I didn't know. I didn't know. But the the rooks. I don't even know what a rook is. I got to look that up. It looks like a crow. Great. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I will be able to identify them now. (laughs) I have a story. And this one, I slightly feel like you're going to be mad at me because it was in your folder, but it was (gasps) also in my folder. And so I have no idea who added it to our own folders first and just didn't see that it was in the other person's folder. I never would have known if you didn't tell me. 
Yeah, but you follow along, you read along, and I feel like you would have seen because it still has the tag. Oh, you should have just deleted the tag. <laughs> I'm honest. I'm an honest woman. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> confessing. I forgive you. I am not, I will never hold it against you. Don't ever do it again. For all we know, I already had it in mine and you took it in yours too. Like, we don't know who did what first, but if we had to bet, it's probably me. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> who didn't notice something? Me. Okay. <laughs> but this is called Am I a Changeling? Oh. Hey, girls. Oh. I st- <laughs> I started listening a couple months ago, and I've been catching up on old episodes in reverse order, so I'm a little confused about which one of you's which, and who's married three times, who's engaged, who has a cat, who loves Bigfoot, I don't know, but I promise I'll watch YouTube. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) hi, I'm Ashton, they, them, from a small town near London, England. Ever since I was a kid, I've had weird experiences where I would just know something that I had no way of knowing. I later found out that this was called clairsentience. Anytime this happens, it's like a thought pops into my head and I know it isn't mine or I get an emotion or a sensation in my chest. That's so interesting because I feel like me and my mom experience the same thing of like the sensation and emotion in our chest. Interesting. I have two theories as to why I have these gifts. First, I inherited them. My grandma on my dad's side was a tarot card reader and a witch that lived in a cabin in the woods in Wales. I used to play with the fairies that lived in her flower gardens. <gasps> Ashton. If time travel ever becomes available to us, I'm going to travel back in time to when Ashton was at their grandma's house playing with the fairies in the field and I'm going to join. And I wonder if you would end up creating the like fae experience that Ashton had. Well, because, how? Like, I'm not. Your <laughs> astral self is traveling back in time. Oh. And you're appearing like a little fairy. <laughs> I didn't quite understand how to use the machine and I accidentally just shrunk myself in the process. <laughs> I'm just picturing it like you traveling as like a astral being rather yeah. than as a full self. I used to think that this was just my childhood imagination. But since listening to your podcast, I've started to think maybe they were real fairies and real fae. On my mom's side of the family, loads of people have had really weird experiences I think this is because my mom's family are from one of the towns surrounding Pendle Hill, home to the most notorious witch trial in English history. So almost everyone there has a little witch blood in them. My second theory is that I'm a changeling. I was born at home, but due to blood loss, my mom had to go to the hospital and my dad took me with them. Once at the hospital, everyone was so concerned with my mom that no one noticed a nurse sneaking off with me. Luckily, mom gained enough consciousness to point at her and shout at my dad, follow that nurse, before my mom fainted. It took about five minutes for my dad to find me. And once he did, the nurse's excuse was that she was needing to feed me by bottle as my mom was unconscious. However, five minutes is more than enough time for a fae to change a human baby for a fairy baby. In most stories, a changeling is a fairy child that replaces a human one, typically without either baby or human parents knowing. The purpose is to cause chaos and trouble in the lives of the human parents. And boy, oh boy, was I a naughty child. Oh my gosh. I would never stay on the bottom step, my family's version of the naughty corner. And if I was shut in my room, I would run and fling myself at the door until my mom let me out. But my parents say that it was difficult to stay mad at me because I was just so cute. Oh my gosh. I've always had pointed ears and a little pixie face. An identifying factor that your baby is a changeling is that it's sickly, and I was quite a sick child up until the age of 13, 
and I didn't really grow much before eight years old. However, now I'm quite tall. But the main identifying factor is that the child poses inhuman powers for me, clairsentience. The first time I remember this happening, I was with my mom walking up to an underground passageway. I started to get an uneasy feeling, and as we got closer, it was like a bucket of ice-cold water was dumped over my head, and I just knew we should not go down there. I told my mom, and we went a different way. Later, we found out a woman had been murdered down there. However, for me, this was not my scariest experience. At the time of my most recent experience, I had a friend called Angus. One day, I was at Big Tesco, a supermarket, and completely zoned out staring at the crisps. Chips in America. Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) When suddenly I heard a disembodied voice whisper in my ear, Angus is here. I could feel its breath on my ear and shivers ran down my neck. I jumped up out of my skin and I looked around. But the aisle was completely empty and I was in the middle of this big aisle. So if someone had whispered in my ear and run off, I just, I would have seen them. Right. I shook it off. I imagined a huge door closing to lock it out of my mind. I carried on shopping when 10 minutes later, someone grabs me from behind, but I didn't get scared because I knew who it was. It was Angus. And I turned around and sure enough, it was Angus. He said, how did you not get scared? I said, oh, my roommate scares me all the time, so I'm used to it. I wasn't about to tell him that a voice told me he was there. (laughs) When I was thinking about it later, I realized that the voice was warning me about Angus's actions, which meant it knew Angus was going to scare me before Angus knew that Angus was going to scare me. That's wild. That's so wild. So I did a tarot card reading to work out its intentions. And oh, yeah, I read tarot cards because a psychic told me that the spirits wanted me to buy some. But anyway, the reading said that the voice was trying to gain my trust so that I would let it into my life and it could then feed off of my energy. So the moral of the story is don't leave the door to your spirituality so open. The year was 2020 and I was sitting at home being like, how do I get myself some cash back? And some money for all this spending that I am having to have just to live. And I downloaded the Ibotta app. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from grocery to beauty supplies to toys so you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. And I have made over $300 now, I think, at this point. I've been using it for three years. And I actually synced last year, I synced my CVS account to Ibotta. So I'm like, I feel like it's minimum effort. I barely even think about it. And I'm making cash back. That's amazing. The average Ibotta user actually earns $256 per year, which which could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you can buy that flight you've been eyeing and that game you've been dying to go to or take yourself on a fancy dinner. And other apps give you points that don't really amount to much. So with Ibotta, you just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account or into PayPal or gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code TGOG when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code TGOG. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code TGOG. On the 28th of June, 2023, I'm going to be traveling around America for three months 
And I want to visit as many haunted places as possible. So some recommendations would be good. Oh, no, we missed it. But I hope the podcast was recommendation enough. Yeah. And then on TikTok, it's at Ashton Moonstar, if anyone wants to see where Ashton went. I love being a part of this community, Ashton. P.S. Just as I was about to press send, I remembered that another psychic recently told me, my soul is not human. LOL. Interesting. (sighs) This is kind of reminding me a little bit of two things. One, when we just talked to Fio in January. Yeah. And Fio was talking about their involvement with the Fae and relationship with the Mm -hmm. Fae and how Fae don't like to be talked about. And it also just reminds me of when I was at my friend Brianna's wedding a couple years ago. My entrance was with someone who identifies as Fae. Oh, really? Yeah. And they were just telling me different things like how you telling them my full name or telling them or like, you know, having too much physical touch. Like, you know, we're holding each other like arm right. and walking down. Having a lot of physical touch can also lead to them just like knowing certain things or like connecting to my energy oh. in certain ways and how they they try themselves to be careful. And it's how like they've discovered a lot of the things that they can do, which I think they previously just thought was like them having some sort of psychic abilities. And maybe that's why they didn't really feel like they fit into their human mm. self. And then after kind of like, talking to different people in the community, they realized they really felt connected when associated with the Fae. So they too are probably a changeling. I'm so curious though, if Ashton as a baby was swapped, where is human baby? Like what's their life like? And what was their upbringing like? And do they think that they're not Fae, that they feel like they are mm -hmm. a human soul? I feel like there's going to be this like prince and the pauper change that has to happen. Perhaps, but I think in folklore, the human baby usually dies. I don't want that to be the case. (laughs) I think they're like left in the forest, unfortunately. I'm picturing like elf or parent trap where they're both just like Mm. living separate lives and have this inkling of- The other ones all become Will Ferrell. (laughs) A hundred Will Ferrells out there. That is more fun. I like that. I like that thought. But it is, yeah. yeah, it is interesting, just like, especially because they feel like their memories of having imaginary play in their grandmother's garden with Faye. Like, it's not just like, oh, I remember playing with the fairies. And like, you actually remember just like being around like little trinkets and pretending there are fairies. Like, there's actual memory of Faye being there. And so it right. is interesting that if someone, Like, I do wonder if there is some sort of connection to people who have a lot of experience with the Fae and then them actually being Fae. Like, it's like, do they get sent off and then other little fairies are their guardians, you know? Oh, interesting. You have them watch over you? I would like to think that they at least send Fae to watch after their own kind. Like, Mm -hmm. interesting. It's also probably such an internal predicament to have that, like, natural inclination that a Fae might where it's like... You're a little mischievous, you're a little trickstery, but then also trying to just abide by human, human order and laws. Yeah. 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 Well, Ashton, it does sound like you have this like ability and these voices that come to you to help protect you. Like, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to hear more about Ashton's clairsentience experiences. Yeah, me too. But also Ashton's mom experiences that too. So right. 
It's a familial thing. Yeah. Maybe they're both fae. Okay. I have a story from our listener, Tyler. And this was actually sent back in 2018. It's called Personal Ghost Paranormal Activity. Hey, girls. So when I was about four, my family lived in a not-so-great area of our small town. There were some thieves in the area, and one night, my sister and I went to sleep. We shared a room, and my bed was right under the window, which I thought was pretty cool because I could stare at the stars or clouds on any given night. But one night, I was not as appreciative when a figure appeared in my window and tapped three times. I pretended to be asleep, but I kept my eyes open, enough to peek through. The figure tapped again and said, I know you're pretending. Ooh, that's that's so scary. Just let me in and we can play. Are they on the first floor? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Then this figure moved towards our front door. Mm -hmm. I tried to wake my sister, but she just shoved me away. So I sprinted to my parents' room and I told them what was happening between sobs. My dad grabbed his bat and spotlight and went outside but saw nothing. My parents went so far as to switch rooms in order to help me feel safer. The next night, I saw shadows moving across the blinds on the window, followed again by tapping. I tried to ignore it, but the tapping continued. And this time the figure said, I'm not a stranger. My name is Major. I know your dad. This is like horrifying because it's all stranger danger, horrifying things that people say. It is. It's like, oh, do you also have candy and a puppy out there too? Right. Are my parents unable to pick me up from school so you came instead? What's the code word? What's the secret word? That's what you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to have one. (laughs) I cried myself to sleep that night. Things were fine for a while. And then one day, a neighbor kid had stolen my toy soldiers and my tank while I was playing with them. I tried to fight the kid, but he was older and bigger, and I got my ass kicked. My dad said that he would buy me more when we had extra money, but I didn't count on it. The very next morning, my sister was leaving to get on the bus, and on our front porch was my tank and soldiers. We thought that the kid's parents maybe made him bring it back, but I was elated. Until that night, and Major returned. He told me that he brought my toys back. Hmm. He said that kid got what was coming for him because he stole from me. So I thought, well, this guy, Major, can't be all that bad. I was four years old at the time, and he brought my toys back. Right. Oh, gosh, yeah. My family moved around a lot from house to house in our small town. And one place I had a custom room built just for me in the basement. It was super badass. But one night, my bedroom door opened and a figure limped in. He only had one arm. I was paralyzed with fear as the figure sat at the foot of my bed. He turned to me and said, you've grown. I just want to play. Remember your toy soldiers? I miss those. It sat there in silence for a while before disappearing. I told my parents about this, and being in a religious family, they took me to my grandfather, who was an ordained minister. He prayed over me and used anointment oil on my forehead. My parents Mm, took me back home, and I never had any other issues. About three weeks later, I was at my grandparents, and my dad and my uncle and I were playing catch with a Nerf football. My mom came out and told us dinner was ready. I turned to run inside, and my uncle threw the Nerf football at me and hit me in the back of my head. He thought it was funny. But I lost balance and sadly bashed my forehead on a lava rock that my grandfather had brought out from California. I had to get stitches. It was bad. But while I was in the ER, that shadow figure limped by the room that I was in. I pointed it out and my dad saw nothing. I lived with this for almost four years until my dad's cousin came out from California. She was so wonderful and treated my sister and I like we were her own kids. I told her about what had been happening to me and she said she knew just the thing. She burned some sage and some incense and gave me tokens of fortune to keep in my pocket. 
I never had problems again, but fast forward to high school and I took mythology slash Ozark folklore. We learned about the West Plains dance hall explosion, which is where I'm from. And there was a list of those lost in the explosion. Guess who was among that list? No A man by the name of Major. Oh my God. I had to excuse myself to the bathroom and I threw up. It made me feel so surreal. Also, keep in mind, I'm not religious at all, but these events made me interested in paranormal stuff. I never told my parents about my second cousin doing that cleansing, nor have I ever told anyone about this. I love your podcast, Tyler. Tyler, oh my gosh. I'm so confused because at first I was like, is this some creepy person? And then I was like, is this some creepy spirit? And then I was like, wait, is this just maybe like a grandfather who doesn't know how to like properly not scare the child? But then you went to your grandfather for help. And now it's someone else who perished in a very tragic way. It is just super creepy. Like Major, you you could have gone about this a little bit differently. Like I feel like Major read a Stranger Danger book and took all the wrong messages. Yeah, they were read as like how to communicate with children. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How to make a friend with someone who can (laughs) see you. But it's sad because it sounds like Major wanted a friend, like almost had this childlike desire wanting to play, Mm -hmm. but it's like appearing at the window. Maybe, maybe they thought that like, if they appeared like a real human, it would be less scary. Right. And they're like, oh, I'll be outside instead of inside because inside is scarier. If I'm outside, they'll still feel safer. But it's like, no, that's almost creepier in ways. I don't know. I do like that Major continued to like be there for Tyler Mm -hmm. and brought the toys back and then kind of had this nostalgic like, oh, I remember when you were young, you've grown so much. I miss those toy soldiers. Like, I just want to play. Right. It is spooky, but it is knowing that it is a spirit who was lost potentially in this tragic accident or in this yeah. tragedy, just wanted some companionship. I know. it's uh, My mind is all over the place. Like, it's hard because I'm experiencing what I feel like you're experiencing, where like we feel some sort of sadness for the spirit who probably feels so alone and is trying to connect with just another human who can see him and that's often children yeah but at the same time it was just so creepy and it's like so was was this even major too or like is this a different version of who was major in their life that's true we don't know but yeah it does seem like a good spirit like major never did anything threatening right it's also confusing though, like, oh, I miss when we used to play with these things. It's like, do you miss the potential of being able to play with these things? Or was there some memory blocked out where like they did play? I think he just watched toys. over Tyler a lot. Maybe yeah. he kind of self-appointed himself as a guardian for Tyler. It's kind of like, mm. you know how they have like the big brother, big sister programs? Yeah. What if there's like a paranormal version of it and it's like a self-appointed guardian? Oh, <laughs> I like that. You get assigned a ghost guardian. I want a ghost guardian named Major. That's a cool name. Alrighty, folks, gather around the campfire, get cozy, because we're going to tell you about our favorite mattresses, Helix. I'm sitting in it right now. We always are. (laughs) Helix Sleep. 
their mattresses are unlike any other mattress I've ever slept on. I find myself like desperately waiting to be home in my bed, even if I'm traveling in the nicest hotels. I'm like, but it's not my Helix sleep mattress. And the Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection, their newly released Helix Elite collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So when you go to the Helix website, you will just fill out this very brief Helix sleep quiz, and it will ask you questions about how you sleep, if there's anyone else who sleeps in the bed with you, questions about their sleep preferences, and then in just under two minutes, it will assign a perfect mattress to you, and your personalized mattress will be shipped straight to your door, free of charge. I've gotten everyone in my family into the Helix mattress world. Where Helix it's like, family. why not try it? They offer a 100-night trial and a 10 to 15 year warranty. They have enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. They have models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. So Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash T-G-O-G and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Okay, shall I read us another another spooky Jeez. tale? This is called Halloween Night at the Villisca Axe Murder House. Oh, shit. Hello, ghostesses. Let me first say I'm such a huge fan of you two. I've been with you since the very beginning, and it's incredible to see how much you two have grown over the years. Not only are you both a delight to listen to, but you've created a safe space for people to share their experiences without any judgment. I'm so thrilled to have been here through your successes and I can't wait to continue following your journey. Let's get to it. That's so sweet. Okay. Thank you. That is very sweet. Thanks for being here. In 2019, I won a night to stay at the Villisca Murder Axe House on Halloween via my local radio station in Omaha, Nebraska. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That is so cool. That is so cool. Also, I need to know how you won. Was it a raffle? Did you have to answer a question correctly? Like, what was it? I've never won anything. Ever? Mm-mm. Like in a school raffle or anything? No. Have you won a, on a scratch off or lottery ticket? I probably won a couple dollars here and there. There yeah. you go. You're a winner. You've won. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> You're a winner. I'm going to buy you like a hundred pack of <laughs> scratchers. You have to win something. Oh my gosh. That is the best gift on it. I love scratchers. They're just really fun. I like the ones that are like Scrabble because they take a long time. Have you seen those? Yeah. To get this one? Yeah. I did that one recently. Yeah. I like those. It's like a longer activity. <laughs> That one was confusing, though. I, like, really had to read the rules, whereas usually, like, you can just scratch off everything, but... Oh, yeah. Those ones are a little more confusing. Yeah. It was a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience because the owners usually forbid people to stay or even visit on Halloween due to all of the activity that occurs. I was able to bring one friend with me. The radio station went all out and drove us in a limo from Omaha to Villisca. Am I saying Villisca right? I feel like I am. I think so. I always question myself with this one. We truly had no idea what we were getting into. Our first stop was Villisca Cemetery to go pay our respects to the eight victims, including six children who were brutally murdered on June 9, 1912. A little background for you, the Moore family consisted of parents Josiah B., J.B., aged 43, Sarah, Nee Montgomery, 39, and their four children, Herman Montgomery, 11, Mary Catherine, 10, Arthur Boyd, 7, and Paul Vernon, 5. The other two victims were Ina May, 8 years old, Lena Gertrude Stillinger, 
12 years old, friends of the family. I do really appreciate that as a part of this experience, they went to pay their respects yes. to the graves. I agree. It's a great way to to also go into the house and experience on yeah. a night when you know activity is going to be heightened and the sewers probably aren't used to anyone being there. Yeah. I was very thankful that we were able to pay our respects and build somewhat of a bond before we entered the house. My friend and I, who both carry empath qualities, couldn't help but be riddled with sadness upon finding the gravestones. Their murders are still a cold case, although through the years of investigation there have been a handful of suspects, three suspects have stood out. Those are Reverend George Kelly, William Mansfield, and Henry Lee Moore. No relation. Did you? You covered this, right? Me or you. One of us did. I think you did. Early. Early in the podcast. Early days. days. Yeah. First year or two. In 1917, Reverend George Kelly was initially arrested for the Villisca murders. Police obtained a confession for him. However, it followed many hours of interrogation and Kelly later recanted. After two separate trials, he was acquitted. Another theory is that William Manson killed the family. Nine months before the murders at Villisca, a similar case of axe murder happened in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Two axe murder cases followed in Ellsworth, Kansas and Paola, Kansas. The cases were similar enough to raise the possibility of having been committed by the same person who they believed to be William Mansfield. Henry Lee Moore was a suspected serial killer who was convicted of the murder of his own mother and grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca, his weapon of choice being an axe. So crazy there were so many axe murders at the same time. After visiting the cemetery, we drove to the house where two additional people from the radio station were already there with ghost equipment. We will call them John and Jane. Their equipment included dowsing rods, a spare box, an EMF reader, laser grids, and motion sensors. This initially worried me because I was concerned that these people did not have the same intentions that my friend and I had. Mm -hmm. I was happy to find out that we were actually all on the same page regarding finding justice for the victims and giving them a chance to tell their stories rather than treat this as a joke and not really take it seriously. That makes such a difference. Yes, it really does. The caretaker of the house then took us on a house tour. Everything looked as if it was still in 1912, a capsule of time just standing there, tattered in its grave majesty. As we walked through, the walls had such heaviness, an unseen pressure that slowly began to drain me and impact me mentally. All of the mirrors within the house were covered with cloth to visualize exactly how the murderer left the house. After the tour, the house caretaker left and we began to try to communicate with the family. We gathered a few EVPs, which I've attached to this email. One sounded like an older, middle-aged man, which we believed was Josiah. We captured a couple of additional voices stating their names were Paul and Arthur, and we even captured a laugh. Overall, the energy seemed welcoming. Things started to pick up upon nightfall. We utilized dowsing rods a lot of the time, which seemed to be the most impactful way to communicate with everyone. I promise you, I was holding them so steady And they would either move inward, yes, or outward, no, sometimes quite aggressively, smacking our arms in the process. A kid's toy set off upstairs during a dowsing rod session, which we believed to be one of the kids trying to communicate with us. And shocked, we ran upstairs to the children's room to continue our session. After a short while, my friend and I felt the heaviness on our feet and we asked, are some of your children sitting on our feet right now? And the rods moved to yes, (laughs) 
Oh, that's actually really sweet. I can picture I that perfectly, like the cozying yeah. up and like sitting on your yeah. toes. Yeah, yeah, they're having a great time. They all get to like chat and communicate. It's like a family mm-hmm. board game night, basically. Yeah. For all of them. This was an eye-opening and comforting experience for us as they felt so close to us, even though we had just met. I found myself humming and singing nursery rhymes from my mm-hmm. childhood during this. And during a recording, I say, do you want me to sing again? And you can slightly hear, want you to see again as a response. Aww. I attached the EVP to this email. You might be able to hear them better with headphones. Our communication continued, and we started to get down to some of the more intense questions with our dowsing rods. We asked, will you be with us all night? No. Are you able to leave the house? An aggressive no. Later on, we continued our session downstairs where all four of us saw some light anomalies that can only be best described as glittery lace-like trail of white slash blue light that moved by a slow wave of flashing light. Hmm. We all saw it at the same time, which led us upstairs, and then we saw it again on the steps and one more time in the children's room. It truly was one of the most beautiful things I have ever experienced. Around 3 a.m., we brought our equipment upstairs to the attic where the murderer was said to have been hiding before they made their move. There was such an uncomfortableness with this attic, and I didn't even realize I was trying to scoot closer and closer to the entrance of the attic to leave. We asked if JB, the father, was there, and we got a very distinct no. We then asked if whoever with us was good or evil. And with this EVP, you could hear something whisper, evil. (gasps) I want to listen to these. Whether that was a murderer or another entity, we no longer could get any of the additional communication, nor could we reach the family anymore. This bone-chilling moment made me so uncomfortable that I pleaded to everyone that we must stop. We must leave this attic. After the attic, we took a small break and then we split up, going to separate rooms to sit in silence for 10 minutes, preparing for the activity to pick up again with it still being the witching hour. But strangely enough, the house started to begin feeling emptier and emptier as the witching hour progressed. This is so interesting because we had the we same experienced exact this. experience yes. at the Conjuring House. It's like 3 a.m. struck and they were like, good night. Good night. <laughs> Bye. This was great. <laughs> we're going yeah. to bed. Calling it an evening. Yeah. Turning in for the night. We recalled the family mentioning that they would not be with us the entire night. So does this mean that they went elsewhere during the remainder of the night? This puzzled us. As the three turned to the four, it was as if this heaviness was lifted from the house and we felt no energy weighing on us anymore. All four of us tried to communicate with the dowsing rods, but they just stood completely still. There was nothing, no movement. We were in awe because just hours before, it was moving so intensely. I distinctly remember us all looking at each other in disbelief. And then John said, does anyone else feel like we're not in the same house anymore? To which we all agreed. Something changed. Something shifted. Someone or something had left the house. Thank you for allowing me to share my stories. And I'll see you on the other side. XOXO, Haley. Should I play all of these EVPs? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com forward slash T-G-O-G and get on your way to being your best self. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists 
anytime at no additional charge. And you also have so much control over the cadence and what kind of style you're looking for. Like when I was using BetterHelp, when I was living at home during the pandemic, there would be certain weeks that I was like, I need to get on a video call with you. And my therapist was like, all right. And there were other weeks that I was like, can I just message you in the portal? Because I don't think I can bring myself to speak to a human with my own voice. It's so nice. Also, I remember like there have been a couple of times where I'll travel and I'll be at home with my family and I totally want to talk about them in my therapy session. So it's like, how do I mm-hmm. navigate this? But it, it makes it so easy because I can just talk about it in the chat and not have like it audibly available right. for people yeah, to hear. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash T-G-O-G today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash T-G-O-G. Yeah, I want to hear them. Okay, here's Paul and Arthur. Okay. Is Paul here? Here's the one where they asked, is JB here? Is JB here? Here's where they the kids asked. Haley to sing again. Do you want me to sing again? And here is the laugh. Dang. What an experience. It does make me really sad and I really, really hope I refuse to believe that whoever the killer is, is in that house with the family still. I know. I I think that is absolutely horrible and should, I I refuse to believe it. I do believe that probably something evil does exist in that house just because of how much tragedy took place there. I wouldn't be surprised if an evil spirit does lurk, but I really, really hope that the family is not like tormented by the killer. Yeah. It's interesting because there was such a heaviness over the whole house the entire time until really like 3 or 4 a.m. And so it does make me suspicious that there was sort of this like darkness looming there. But it also could just be the residual energy of what had happened. But my hope is that when the family is like, hey, we're not going to be here with you all night. If there is a dark energy, that just means that like they've worked out a situation with that dark energy where like they have the house for the latter half of the night and the family has it for the beginning and then they can all just like coexist peacefully hopefully it is really i mean this again like just goes back to the fact that we will literally never have the answers or we don't know Mm -hmm. anything about the paranormal but like i do have a lot of questions like are these active energies are these residual like when do spirits move on and can you be reincarnated but your spirit from a past life has like a fractured piece that still exists in a haunted place. Like, I don't know how that works. Right. Especially because when it's a whole family involved, like it it makes sense for Mm -hmm. the fractured piece when it's just one person. But it's like, how do you make sense of it if it's an entire group of people with children and adults interacting with one another and interacting with the living that is there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But a very cool opportunity to be able to do that on Halloween. And 
Yeah. The best people to get to do it too, you know, like people that are going to be really respectful of these people in their story and have boundaries within the house. I like to picture that the people that work at the radio station were like, I really want to go to this house on Halloween. Let's get work to pay for it and make it a giveaway. <laughs> make it a giveaway so we can go with our dowsing rods. Yeah. Oh, genius. If that was the plan. I think so too. Okay, I have a story to end us on. It is from our listener, Jen, and it is called Tucked in Bed by a Sleep Demon. Ooh. Hi, ladies. My name is Jen. You can use my name. I found your podcast after your collab with Morbid, and it is now in my spooky podcast rotation that I listen to at work. It really helps the day go faster, but I am notably more jumpy around the office as I have gotten scared by coworkers simply walking out of rooms to say hi to me (laughs) while my back is turned. It's fine, though. I survive. Uh, Some people walk too silently. They need to announce themselves from far away, not right behind you either. Jen, I am walking towards your office. (laughs) I make Brian do that here. (laughs) (laughs) Brian is a quiet critter. Yes. And then he'll start talking when he's like right behind me. I'm like, ah, Ah! I didn't hear you come here. (laughs) So scary. I'm writing in because I am genuinely torn by what I have been experiencing lately, and I'm not sure if it's just extremely vivid dreams or if maybe a ghost has decided to become a new guest in my bedroom. So for years, I've had very vivid nightmares of waking up in bed and feeling an extreme sense of dread. In the nightmares, I get out of my bed and I run out of my room in order to find something out of the ordinary to prove to my brain that I am in fact dreaming so I can jolt awake. So some examples would be, Checking the time downstairs, seeing that it claims 9 a.m., but it's still pitch black, or calling out to my dog and her not coming when in real life she would sprint to me. So if that doesn't wake me up, I run to my brother and ask him if I am sleeping. He immediately will attack me and I will wake up. It's a terrifying way to jolt myself awake, but whatever <laughs> works. I like how like that's the second, that's like the worst case scenario if the time or another thing doesn't wake her up. Yes. She gets beat up by her brother. (laughs) Anyway, I've never had a paranormal experience before or sleep paralysis, and I've been living in this house for over a decade. So it is strange that something is now happening. Here are the two instances that have me questioning myself. The first one happened about two months ago. It was about 7 a.m., and I woke up to a deep, manly voice saying, hello. I was laying on my back when I heard him. I opened my eyes but could not move. So I scanned the room with my eyes to figure out who the hell just woke me up. And I asked, who are you? The voice replied, you should know. Which is where I got confused and low-key felt a little awkward because I, in fact, did not know. And it gave me the same vibe as when a not-so-famous rapper yells, you already know who it is in the beginning of the song, but no one really knows who it is. (laughs) They should take a note out of DJ Khaled's book, who just screams yeah, announce DJ your Khaled name. throughout yeah. every single track. Right. <laughs> so in that moment, the knowledge of all the spooky podcasts that I have listened to came in, and I remembered you have to set boundaries for any spirits, in case this was one. And I said, I don't want you here. Go away. And the man sighed, and I assumed went away because after he sighed, I was able to move again. I was left feeling kind of bad for this possible spirit. I mean, yes, it was scary to wake up to a random voice, but at least he left when I told him to. And him sighing made me feel like, oh man, maybe he's new to this and he's not having much luck with haunting people. Maybe I shouldn't have said it so mean. (laughs) During that interaction, I felt the same sense of dread that I do when I'm having a nightmare, but at least in my nightmares, I can speak 
and I can move like normal. So I was confused why I couldn't move this time. Now, the second instance happened last night at around 5 a.m. I was laying on my side at this time when I woke up. I was just laying there normal, waiting to fall back asleep when suddenly from in front of me and slightly above me, I saw a dark shadowy hand reach down, grab my blanket, put it up over my shoulders and then patted down the blanket a couple of times. And I just thought, did this shadow just tuck me into my fucking bed? (laughs) I could still sense the shadowy figure still above me and that same sense of dread. I buried my head down and tightly closed my eyes. I again remembered the intention setting and in a sleepy voice, I said, get away from me. Suddenly, I felt the shadow leave and I jolted up. I looked around and this instance was different in the sense that I was able to move my body around, but I was a little too scared to. After I was thinking, well, no, maybe my mom came in and tucked me in. But one, I'm 24 and that would be kind of odd. And two, I am the lightest sleeper. Like a single piece of printing paper falling down has woken me up. (laughs) I'm the same way. And there's no way I wouldn't have heard her open my door. Also, if I told her to get away from me, she probably would have slapped me for being rude to her. I feel like it's the same man that came to me a few months ago, mainly because it left as soon as I told it to. And yes, I was scared, but he didn't hurt me. He just made sure I was comfy, cozy in blankets. I'm thinking maybe he was trying to take a different approach and figured maybe if I tuck her in, she'll know I'm nice and let me vibe here with her. (laughs) If that is his thought process, then he is mistaken because I do not want a roommate right now. Thank you very much. I'm also worried that if he showed me his arm this time, maybe next time I'm going to turn over and he'll just be fully posted up on the side of my bed like, hey, what's up? And I will implode. So what do y'all think? Is it just my brain trying to get better and better at vivid nightmares in my room? Or did a kindly yet awkward new spirit enter the chat? See you on the other side, Jen. I mean, I feel like it's going to be scary no matter what when you're experiencing something paranormal. And so what if that was the fear that they were feeling. But at the same time, I'm like, well, it was appearing as a shadow figure, but that also that could be somewhat demonic, but that could also be just a spirit not knowing how to fully present themselves. And the actions were sweet. So like, yes, I kind of feel like this was either a newer spirit or I want to present the theory that this was a shadow figure who's trying to be reformed and become good. (laughs) I love that narrative. But I also feel like I'm curious if anyone like a distant relative or someone in Jen's family or life has passed away recently and now is like entering the chat as a guardian. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And perhaps they they just thought that showing up kind of shadowy and more blending in as much as possible was the least scary way to intro themselves, you know, like not fully just like, ah, here I am. I am also really curious that it said you should know as when Jen asked, who are you? Like... <laughs> It's a little cocky. (laughs) Yeah, a little cocky. Then also like, does that mean that Jen does know this person somehow? And then how do you, how do you connect those dots? Like, how do you solve that mystery? I don't know. Jason, resident psychic. Yeah. Go to a psychic or talk to, talk to the spirit more. just like out loud and be like, give me signs of who you are because I truly don't know. And I'm sorry for that. It doesn't sound like Jen wants to know. That's true. We want to know, though. That's fine. We do. We want all the answers. So, Jen, befriend the ghosts for our sake. Please. (laughs) Who cares about your feelings or your safety? We need (laughs) to know who the spirit is. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. 
If you have any ghostly encounters, please email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. And please tell all of your friends about our podcast because this is a pyramid scheme and we acknowledge it outright. Get sucked into the triangle. Get sucked. And join our Patreon because we have a bunch of different things going on. We have quarterly book club. We have all episodes coming out one week early and ad free. We have extra episode that gets published every single month, a full length episode of Two Girls, One Ghost and many more things. We check in from time to time to discuss what's new in the news or what's new with us. There's just constantly things happening over there. So if you're curious about it, join our Patreon. It's $5 a month. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thank you to Jamie who edits our video and our audio of our podcast. We're really grateful for all of the work that you do to make us not seem totally uh, unprofessional. Yeah. (laughs) Thank, Thank you so much. We love you and we will. See you on the other side.